Hello, and welcome to Smooth Scaling, the podcast from Insight Partners that helps revenue leaders scale their software companies at every stage of growth. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan, and today I'm speaking with Anne Neer, Vice President of Revenue Operations at Cockroach Labs, the creator of CockroachDB, a cloud-native distributed SQL database that helps app developers scale fast, survive disaster, and thrive everywhere. Anne has also worked at some other amazing companies, including Cisco, Box, Cloudera, and Glassdoor. So I'm super excited to learn from her wisdom today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate being here. Well, we dive right in. So let's get started. And as you reflect on your career, what's an initiative that stands out in your mind that had a major impact on revenue performance? Yeah, it's such a great question. And I think the one that is very top of mind is, and I'll just put it in an umbrella of pipeline analytics. And it's really about understanding the funnel and how to optimize that for the greatest growth and predictability kind of as you, you know, as you grow and scale a company. So really important uh, to overall predictability. Well, I'm excited we're talking about this because we have a lot of listeners who are starting companies in the DevOps space, as, as I would assume you guys would think of yourself as. And the funnel there can be very different than in other parts of the SaaS software world. So maybe just speak a little bit to the the nuances of what the DevOps funnel looks like. You're absolutely right that our funnel will look, it'll vary from the sense of developers. We have some of the largest companies in the world, all the way to initial app developers that are kind of swiping their credit card for the first time, you know, and everything in between. And so in addition to having a PLG motion, you know, in other ways that our customers sort of access the product. So you're 100% right that our funnel will have some of those nuances that, you know, other enterprise, you know, SaaS companies might not have. I think when I think about pipeline analytics, some of the things that that have resonated with me as I've gone through my career are sort of universal across the funnel. Like you can sort of take lessons out across them, but no question, there are some nuances to our current business. Maybe it's it should be obvious, but we'll start with why here. Why choose pipeline analytics as something that you think had a major impact on revenue performance over a hundred other things that I'm sure you've worked on during your career that also had an impact? Like why that one first? Right, right. Not even just a hundred, probably a thousand could be that. I think, you know, there's core ways that a revenue organization can hit their number. You need to win bigger, right? So you get bigger deal sizes, win faster. So shorter deal durations. Win more, so increase win rates or win ratios. And, or also, pump more pipeline at the top of the funnel. Some combination of those levers is really how you you start driving more and more predictable revenue. And at the heart of all of those things, whether it's win bigger, win more, win faster, et cetera, and getting more pipeline at the top of the funnel is understanding the funnel itself. You know, from early awareness and engagement with a prospect all the way through to how they interpret those signals, you know, at the very early stage of of initial conversations and reach, then to every stage of the customer kind of selling and buying motion, you have to understand the health of that funnel and the process or the motion that your prospects go through. And so you can't know that and you can't understand that without, you know, very clear and transparent uh, metrics and KPIs knowing what you want to report on, why you want to report on it, and why this is the health of the business, you can't get at those key efficiency metrics of, again, win bigger, win faster, win, you know, et cetera, if you don't understand the funnel. So it's sort of, 
it's at the core of everything that we do. So that's one answer to the question. The other answer I'd put out there is we live and breathe in revenue and revenue operations around predictability. Like I go to sleep thinking about predictability, I wake up thinking about predictability. And so predictability means being able to see around corners. It means being able to see the yellow or the red light that is, you know, down the path so you can you can course correct, et cetera. And that's that's at the heart of pipeline analytics. So those are a couple reasons why it's it's just sort of fundamental in the midst of probably 10,000 other things that are also really important. <laughs> You're speaking my love language in two ways. One is you break things down into two to three or four part frameworks. So I love that. <laughs> and, then, and then you said, you know, magic words, which were metrics and KPI. So maybe if we combine those two things, you know, if we start at the at the top of the funnel, right, more pipe at the top of the funnel, what are some metrics that you use to to track to- tofu for those who love the the abbreviated terminology. Get as early as you can in terms of, you know, tracking awareness, tracking engagement, you know, how are customers interacting with your messaging um, just at the very early stage of that, of that outreach or that awareness. And then from a funnel perspective, start to put analytics in place, you know, even in a more granular way of translating that action into some sort of value or some sort of predictable framework where you can measure and put in place, you know, when, when a prospect does, you know, this action and this action plus this action, you know, it's tiered up and says, yep, they're, they're warm, right? We, we now can sort of usher them through the funnel. So some of the, some of the most important metrics I think that you put in place are really trying to interpret those initial actions from a prospect and putting those within a tiered framework that you can, then sort of usher through what that motion looks like. I'm on your homepage right now and staring right at me is a nice purple button. My color sense is not perfect, but it it says start instantly. So I would assume the top of the funnel here is there's traffic coming to your site that could be organic traffic. It could also be traffic coming through some sort of, you know, search engine marketing, whatever campaigns you have going. Maybe you have a community and people are coming in through there, like all kinds of XLG, right? X-led growth. And then I I guess that first piece is tracking the conversion into start instantly. And, you know, if I start instantly, I can can sort of get going. I guess then there's this whole piece for, for PLG around, huh, okay, are they engaged? Free, free users? Uh, and, and when do you think about starting to, to engage? That's another question I get a lot is, is a sign-up, is a PLG sign-up a marketing qualified lead or is a PLG sign-up something that is still too early that needs to be nurtured? I mean, it's a really good question. I think it, it will vary, it'll vary across, you know, different software and companies, of course, but it is a signal. It's just, it could be a strong, you know, it could be a stronger or a weaker signal, but it certainly factors in for sure. And I think one of the key things that's been important in various parts of my career of really thinking and breathing through, you know, funnel optimization is sort of taking, how do we understand the customer going through that journey in interpreting those signals and, and being as predictable as possible in what we think that conversion rate will be. So one of the things that, that I've spent a significant amount of time of setting up and understanding is kind of those conversion, you know, rates and metrics along the way so that, you know, as you invest in, you know, X part of the funnel or an X part, you know, of the prospect journey, if we do that, you know, we have more predictability in terms of our conversion, you know, all the way through, et cetera. That's kind of at the heart of what some of the analytics are that I think about. 
with respect to those analytics, you are a hyper-educated person. Uh, you have, I think, <laughs> four, four degrees. Do you personally apply your economics learning or do you leverage data scientists in order to, to handle some of the more sophisticated analytics? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. It's a combination of both. I have an analytical mindset, but definitely not classically trained in, in data science, etc. It does come into play in terms of how I think about setting up metrics and KPIs. What insight are you setting up and visibility so that you can see around corners or see, you know, sort of early warning signals down the way, but very much in partnership with and I'm fortunate here at Cockroach Labs and definitely in other roles as well to work really closely with data scientists, with teams that really help us structure and engineer our data so that we can, you know, sort of democratize it. That's definitely been a theme throughout my career as well, is be wildly transparent and, and democratize data as much as possible. Part of that wild transparency and democratization of data is making the analytics visible in some way to different parts of the business. How do you go about that and who are the consumers? What can happen in, and particularly in early stage companies, what can happen in those early in those early days is you get as much kind of analytics as you can in place. And a lot of times you'll have a lot out there that you're trying to get your arms on and revenue and go to market teams, but it's not quite creating the visibility that you need to understand the health of the business. So for example, it's really common in early stage companies to say, hey, I just want to understand, are we getting pipeline? Where's the pipeline coming from? I want to have that kind of overall understanding, which is great, but now you have to take it down, you know, two or three clicks. Is it new expansion? Is it expansion pipeline? Is it new logos? Is it coming from a certain product focus, from a certain vertical focus? And so one of the ways that I've created visibility in, in working across my teams and other go-to-market and product functions is just getting as granular as possible. It'll force you to set up you know, systems integrations from, you know, marketing tools to Salesforce or whatever one CRM is, you know, all the way through to whatever levels of visibility you need. So I think be really disciplined about getting to the lowest level of detail as soon as you can, and then just build that data structure from there. Yeah. And unfortunately, you can't go back and recreate history. I was working, I was working with a portfolio <laughs> company and they, I think to save data, maybe they had turned off their opportunity field history. And then that really meant we could not go back in time and, yeah. <laughs> and reconstruct. Because at least from opportunity field history, you can you can do that. Some of the places that you've been and, and you've walked into, is there one or two metrics that people were not tracking that you came in and said, this is one of the things that we need to track? Yeah, 100%. I'll pick on a couple that are so, so important at the outset, even if the data is telling you at the time, you can't draw as many inferences out of it as you want to, it will be illustrative and highly important to take forward. So for example, um, let's say you have five or six sales stages or opportunity stages. You want to know, and, and, you've, and just real basic ones, prospect, project discovery, business case validation, tech eval, whatever those stages are. And it'll vary by company, vary by you know sales motion. You want to know what converts and moves a customer in the funnel in early stage pipeline. So you know early stage qualification, you're working to get the best criteria in place you can. It sits in that kind of early prospect. 
okay, what's, what's moving that to the next stage? Are we able to get the use case out of this? Are we able to get more detail from what the prospect or the account is looking for so we can start to move it along towards business case validation, et cetera? That early stage pipeline conversion, wildly important. What's the conversion and what does it take to move a customer from I'm interested, I possibly have a good use case, I possibly have in our world a good application you know, to being able to move to a later funnel. Because when you combine that with metrics, if we take this back to efficiencies, when you combine that with metrics on where you win and how you win across different stages, you want to get that pipeline to like stage three or four as best as you possibly can. Because once you get there, if you've dialed in your commercials, you know, your technical evaluations, et cetera, you're going to win more and more. And then related to that, you know, what moves, you know, prospects, you know, in each stage across that becomes a key driver of your predictability. Yeah. And I'm I'm really hearing two things. One, I've been hearing a lot of from revenue ops and CROs that I talk to lately, which is on the efficiency side, make sure that we are engaging the right customers to begin with, right? 100%. And the analytics give you the visibility that, hey, these industries, these personas are people that actually progress through the funnel and these ones are not. So you can be smart at the top of the funnel. But then it also sounds like you're asking your reps to capture some of the things. They're not demographic or firmographic. They're much more, you know, behavioral things. Maybe it's attaching additional contacts to opportunities with senior titles or technical titles or what have you, right? To, to and, and the know. right and the right sales methodology will help you do that, right? So you know, will help. What are the activities or the customer engagement map or customer engagement process? You know, there's different sort of nomenclature that can be used for it, just to get very deep into. You know, we have a qual we have a, a qualification set of criteria for this early. You know, for, to put something in prospect and say there's there's something here, right? There's something in this account. You definitely want to dial that in and keep making that, you know, better and better, but you will know whether or not you're getting that kind of right, you know, right account in that early stage, you know, process when you have the analytics to track that. How fast do these prospects move? Are they slipping or leaking? Like one of the, you know, the buzzword that will come out of revenue operations is pipeline leakage, right? How do things fall off the table, leak, you know, et cetera. I've been around long enough that we used to be called sales and sales operations and there was no leaking of the funnel. It was just like, you know, but new buzzwords, leaking of the funnel. And so being able to to split early stage and late stage gives you that opportunity to, you know, understand your sales process and continue to sort of dial that in. And and again, get get those get those predictors in place that say if we can move this prospect, the more we can move people along into this later stage where we do win in a much more predictable way, the better. In many roles, I've had prospects end up in the funnel where you know they're asking for capabilities the product can't doesn't have, right? So how do we get to that place? So early stage, late stage is one of the, one of the biggies for me. And then the second one I would put out there is, you know, when you think about sort of core metrics that are, that are really critical is, and this will sound strange, you know, depending on what size of company you are and kind of where you're at in the, in a early stage or startup uh, trajectory. Think about a forecast model as early as you can, even when you don't think you're predictable, the business is lumpy as hell productivity is not quite as smooth as you want it to be, even as you're ironing out those details, push yourself in revenue and revenue operations to say, how could we see it around corners? 
what gives us, what metrics do we have that can help us see around corners? One final overarching question on pipeline analytics. There's a risk now of collecting so much data, having so many dashboards and KPIs that 100%. the signal gets lost in the noise, right? What mechanisms do you recommend for sales leaders, CEOs to be able to find out when things are, what's working and what's not working? I'll say that there is elegance and scale in simplicity. So what you will not find in my work and in our teams and in any other prior role is sort of analytics for analytics sake, or let's try to answer the corner case questions, or let's get as you know sophisticated and as nuanced as we can across every single aspect of the funnel or of the pipeline. It is taking it down. I'll go back to some of the comments before. It's taking it down to its sort of core level of, you know, pipeline creation, pipeline movement, progression across stages, you know, win analysis. You you really keep the the focus on the basics and nail those and just make that exceptional. And and that means, you know, working cross-functionally with marketing, with data teams, et cetera, to say one data set curated and accurate so that people believe that the data is accurate and credible. And then a core set of simplistic but critical metrics that you just you measure and track the hell out of. If you can nail those initial basic metrics across the funnel, you have all sorts of potential to build from there. So I think just don't don't get complicated. You know, there is elegance and scale and simplicity. Yeah, I, I would I would second that motion. I also just think your point about do a few things exceptionally well. I talk to a, a lot of CROs and they're, you know, they're excited at, to do new things, right? Because we thrive on innovation and newness. And, and I always check back to say, okay, well, what were these three or four fundamental things that you are tracking to make sure that you don't lose sight of those? And how are those work streams progressing? Well, and it was a, a pleasure having you on and, and there is an elegance and, uh, and scale <laughs> to what you were doing as well. I would love to have you back for another episode if you're if you're game for that. Awesome. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Smooth Scaling Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. For more information about the topics we discussed today, check out the Insight Partners blog at insightpartners.com slash blog. See you next time.